right. Could have a seat. How are we doing today? Uh, that's pretty good. All right. All right. Um, we come to a close here um, to this, this series that we've been doing on, on great prayers in, in Scripture with maybe one of the greatest, maybe the greatest, I don't know, um, subjective, but certainly one of the greatest. Um, and as we, we look at it together, there's this, this symbol I wanted to kind of bring your attention to throughout Scripture, and it's a giant one. I don't know if any of you, some of you walk around with cups like this, you know, um, but it, it, it's the it's symbol in the Bible of the cup, and it's a symbol that ultimately means as you, you have it filled, your life is receiving something from God. And, and so it, in Scripture, like, it can be good. Like, I don't know, Psalm 23, anybody? You know, I mean, I'm not going to do it here. Um, makes too much of a mess. But uh, my cup runneth over. So you receive something from God. You receive blessings. You receive sustenance. You receive right from, from God. That's good. But it, it's often a symbol of receiving something from God that, that is still good because it's God, but it's, it's very painful. Right? You, you see this cup of God's wrath, God's judgment. You see it in uh, Jeremiah chapter 25 when, uh, when God's pouring his wrath out on Babylon, the enemy of his people. You know, you see it in Ezekiel, uh, the prophet, but this time it's a cup of God's wrath um, on his own people because of their rebellion. You must drink of this cup, right? So it's God gives this right, just wrath because of sin and rebellion. We even see in uh, the New Testament, Revelation chapter 14, those who take the mark of the beast, those who are in rebellion to God will get a cup of God's wrath, God's judgment. And, and so this cup is ex- just exceptionally important. As um, we see in this prayer, Jesus himself looks straight into this cup of God's wrath in the garden. And he knows, 100% knows what this is, right? So he's going to have it here. Um, I had Patrick ask me, poor guy, because he's got in charge of the live stream to move things around so people could see it, right? So I want to do that, so I'll move these beautiful flowers over. And, and because I didn't want to move it, because I want it right here, because I want you to see it, because as Jesus saw it, he sees the wrath of what he's about to do the next day on the cross. He sees what he faces in this cup. It's not just physical suffering. It is the wrath of God that was deserving of you and me. And in it, in this prayer, we see the struggle of Jesus. This deep humanity of who he is in the struggle. We also, though, in the midst of that struggle, we see on this amazing depth the love of Jesus. And in it, bookended as we'll see, we also see a plea for his disciples to do what, he, what he's demonstrating for us himself. When you face the dark night of your soul, and this was the darkest night of Jesus, when you face that, Pray to your Father. So, let's pray. Lord, um, this week, 
as you know, has been emotional even for me because this passage, which I've read so many times, preached from, shared from, taught from, but Lord, you, um, you just revealed to me an even greater depth of what you did for me. And I just so desperately want you to reveal that to everyone in this room or watching online in a fresh way or maybe for the first time. Power and amazing grace of what you did for us. So, Lord, I pray that more than ever you'd get me out of the way and you would um, use me as a vessel to help us not only just understand, but to feel it in a way maybe we've never felt or it's been a long time since we've felt before. We ask this humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, so I'm over here a little bit just so you can kind of see that, all right? So for those of you type A people, sorry, I'm going to torture you so much, but you know I don't stand behind this anyway, so it's okay. Um, so this prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, is found in all three synoptic Gospels, which is the Gospels besides John, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And, and I, I'm choosing Luke. Matthew and Mark, they kind of give you, if you're familiar with the story, where, where uh, he goes back and forth three times, and, and, and three, uh, uh, James, Peter, James, and John are kind of his inner circle, and they keep falling asleep. Right, and so, but Luke doesn't do that. He he gives us. He doesn't really say he brings three. He doesn't go back and forth because Luke just takes it and zeroes in less on the apostles' failure and more on the the prayer and what what it what it shows us. And so, if you want to follow along, I'll put it on the screen. But it's Luke twenty two verse thirty nine. That's where we'll be. And 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 so in this uh, this this prayer, there's this this context, right? That that this is um, Jesus final week, right? He, 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 we, today on the liturgical ca- calendar, it's Palm Sunday, right? So it celebrates when Jesus comes into Jerusalem as, as he's heralded as like the, the Messiah, the king, he's on the donkey, the palms, right? All that stuff, right? And, then, and it really starts to go south quickly. He clears out the temple and the money changers. He, he, he teaches really hard things, and the people are like, oh, man. Right? And, he, and he argues with the, with the religious leaders, and he's going back and forth with, with them. And, and they, they just want to kill him, but their problem is, is well, we, don't, we can't arrest him in front of all these people because we might be have a riot on our hands. It's Passover time. And so they, they're trying to figure out a way to find when Jesus is going to be in a location that, that the people aren't going to be around, but they don't really know Jesus moves, so they need an inside man. And so they find one, Judas. Judas, of course, is one of the 12, and Judas decides he's going to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And so we get to Thursday night, and it's, it's the Passover supper, the upper room, and Judas goes off to betray Jesus because he knows later on where Ju- Jesus will be because Judas knows Jesus really well. And so they, they, they celebrate the Passover, but as we just celebrated, Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. He becomes the Passover lamb, and they finish that, uh, that supper and they leave this upper room, and they begin to sing hymns, which was natural to do at Passover. But the heaviness that must have weighed them down as they, they go uh, through the, the Kidron Valley and, and begin to mount the, the, the Mount of Olives towards Jesus, most, one of his most favorite places to go. And, and as they do that, they're singing hymns, but, but you know, the, the disciples, they're kind of dumb, and I love that because so am I. And they don't quite understand, but they know enough that, that, man, something's not right. And they're feeling the weight of the sorrow. They're feeling this tension. They're feeling this stress. And they're going, right? And, and, and Luke tells us this. 
Jesus came out and he went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. So the Mount of Olives is over 25, beyond 2,500 feet above sea level. So there's a slope, right? And, and in it, we, the other two tell us it's called the Garden of Gethsemane. Luke doesn't because he's a little briefer about it, right? But we know it's the Garden of Gethsemane. And we also know, and scholars believe, man, Jesus probably went every night of this week to this place. Some think there might even some nights where he slept there. Like this was a, I don't, do you have one of those places, right, where you just maybe you have your coffee cup or maybe you open your Bible and it's just a special place to you? Like there shouldn't be maybe, but there's something about connections you've had with your father. Like there's just, just something about it. You get there and it's like, yes. Well, isn't it cool to know Jesus had those places? And the garden was one of those. And, and that's how Judas knew, find him, right? And, and, he, and, he, and he goes there with his, his disciples, right? And, 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 it, and Luke tells us when, when he came to the place, that would be the garden, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. He knelt down and he prayed. So um, you know what a bookend is? Anybody have bookshelves full of books that you haven't read? I don't know. I have that. Every, the first question every kid walks in my office, have you read all these books? And I can't lie. So I'm like, no, I have not read all these books. Uh, some of them, parts of a lot of them, but uh, most of them, no. Right? So, so it, but, but I have these bookends to try to keep them right encapsulated. Right? Just, and that's what a bookend does. But in literary uh, technique, there's this thing called bookending to bring something really special to the note of the reader. And so Luke does this using Jesus' command. Right? He's going to, we're going to see it here, we're going to see it at the end. And it's not long, right? not a long passage. We see Jesus say almost identical things. If, if, he says to them, hey, pray that you may not enter into temptation. That's the command. That's the plea of Jesus to his disciples. Therefore, if you're a disciple of Jesus, to you as well. It's, it's, it's like Jesus knows, right? He, he, he knows that they're feeling this stress, they're feeling this weight, and... When a person, it, it goes up against it, a struggle, a place of loneliness, a place of hurt, a place of sickness, of intense stress, of anxiety, that what happens there are potential, notice the word potential, footholds. And I don't know if any of you ever climbed a mountain. I do it all the time. No, I don't, I don't do that. But maybe like a rock wall, somewhere cool, right? But what you're doing, or if you've ever watched someone, which is about the level I'll ever get, is watching someone, what they're looking for is what? Footholds to scale the mountain. And the Bible says the enemy finds footholds, and Jesus specifically is saying footholds come when you're under this kind of stress. Because it's here that you're just like, I... I, I, I just need to, to run from God. He clearly doesn't love me. He doesn't care about me. He doesn't want me. He doesn't, right? And, and that's uh, the enemy, the demonic forces who hate you, hate the gospel, hate God, hate his people, right, is saying to you, don't trust God. Trust yourself. He doesn't love you. He doesn't care about, right? And, and so you're just like, I mean, I'll just eat, drink, and be merry. What's the point of this? Life is so painful. And so Jesus says, in the midst of this, in the midst of this, pray. Talk to your Father. This is the solution. If you don't, those footholds will grow. But if you do, the face, the, the rock wall face of your life will be sheer. The enemy will not be able to scale it because you're praying. And we're going to see that again because they, they don't do very well with that command uh, in the moment. Just like we don't. But he says, 
it was beautiful was Jesus doesn't just command that. He then acts it out. He demonstrates it. And so this is what Luke tells us. He says that Jesus brings him there, and then he withdrew. And I know in, in, in English uh, translation, it's a pretty simple word. Um, but in the Greek, you can, you can get little nuances, and we lose a nuance of the, of the word that Luke chose. And, and it's because you can be with some people, and you can withdraw and be really happy about it, right? Especially you introverts, you're like, oh, thank God, right? I'm withdrawing from this. Go be by myself, right? But this word is the opposite. It's imagine the person you love, like your, your spouse or your boyfriend, girlfriend, somebody who you just really love, even your best friend, somebody, and they're going on a long trip or you're not going to see them for a long time, or, right, and you're in an embrace and you're just like, oh. And, and it's getting awkward because you're in public and people are like, this is weird, but you just don't want to let go. But you do. You withdraw. There's an emotional tone to it that you need to see because this is the beginning of understanding this deep heart, this humanity of Jesus as, as he knows. Like, even they're a mess, even though they're a mess, there's best friends. They care deeply for Jesus. They, right? so, so it's human for him to just be like, come with me, man. I don't want to be alone. But he knows i got to face this alone. And so he withdraws away, but it's, it's emotional. It's a parting, even though it's just a stone's throw. So several yards, it's, it's the beginning of Jesus' understanding, man, this is it. This is me facing this cup alone. They can't help me with this. And so he, he, he goes and it just says, and I don't want you to miss this because it's easy in our own kind of mind to just see, well, of course he knelt down, right? But that's not, he, he, he just comes and he, and he kneels down and he prays as he faces the cup. Why that's kind of interesting is in their culture, especially publicly where people were around, you, you, you would pray with this kind of posture, standing and lifting your eyes to heaven. And it was, it was meant to, to show honor to the Father and to kind of demonstrate that I'm talking to him. And so Jesus would normally, that's normally how he would, he would pray as well, especially when there was other people around. But here, it's almost like he faces this cup, right, and he just falls to his knees. It's too much. The weight of this cup, the weight of what he has to do, is just bears on him, and he just doesn't matter about posture. It doesn't matter about tradition. He's just on his knees, praying, praying. Right? So I don't know if you've ever been, and some of you have, like your biggest nightmare, where you just can't even stand. Times that by a million. And that's what Jesus is going through. That's probably underselling it. So he's on, on his, his knees. And Luke says, he says, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You see the struggle? Theologians will tell us this. Jesus, because he's fully human, 100%, and he's fully God, and, and, and that, like, that's just a mystery for us to fully grasp and understand. But because of that, he has two wills, right? He has his human will, but he also has the will of God. He understands the will of God. So here, he's pleading. He's like, he's like please, uh, this wrath, this cross, this what I'm going to have to do, right? Like, like, can there be another way, Father? 
can we, we, we take this cup and, and maybe there's something else I can do, right? Is there another way? And let me tell you something. He has every right, and so do you, to ask this of your father. To say, Father, will you take this from me? Will you heal me? Will you resolve this? Will you? Right? You have every right to ask your father that, that but make sure it's done with the flavor of Jesus. In the end, he says, but not my will, yours. No matter how hard it might be, no matter how much it would be great if there was another way, if this is the way, Father, I will do it. I will align my will with yours as hard as it might be. Can you see the struggle of this cup? This, this cup that, that, that Jesus knows he has to drink every drop. And he asks if there might be another way. And as he kneels there and as he, he prays, these two verses, I, I think they might be two of the most emotional verses in all of Scripture. And, and so intense and so like, man, so gritty. That did you know that um, our most ancient uh, manuscripts that have the New Testament, have the, the, the book of Luke, about half of them don't have these two verses. And another half of them do. And so the scholars are like, anytime that happens with, with really ancient manuscripts, we're like, they, they try to figure out, was it originally part of Luke, or did someone add it in, right, a scribe, right? And, and I truly believe it was part of Luke. And there's a couple of reasons why. Uh, linguistic experts, which certainly I'm not one, right? But they, they study it, and they say these two verses are incredibly and strikingly Lucan, meaning if it wasn't Luke who wrote this, it's someone that knew how to really copy his style of writing, his vocabulary use, his flow, everything. It fits so perfectly in it that they're like, and it really seems like this has to be Luke. The other reason is, I don't really see why an early scribe would add this in. It's too, it's, it's too gritty. But you can sort of see why one of them might have said, eh, and taken it out. Because I'll bet there's even some of you here today, it's just hard for you to think about Jesus like this. Like, but it's, it's just hard. It's hard. Like, like we want to think of him as like this superhero. We want to think of him as like this, you know, blue-eyed, feathery-haired, like super Jesus. But that's not it, is it? It was fully human. And he 100% understood what the cross represented. Right? He, he knew it. And so, so Luke, I, I believe this is Luke, and, and see what it says. There appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. We'll get to that. But here, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. First of all, so, so he's down there. He's just, he's just getting more, this, this word agony, right? Like only time it's used in the New Testament. It means uh, a deep soul struggle, like, like deep within your soul. Like that's Jesus. See how people are like, I'm a little uncomfortable with that. But you need to get comfortable with that because that's Jesus, right? He's, and, he's, and he's deep in agony. But here's, the, here's a beautiful example for you and I. As he, his agony increases, his prayer is more earnest. Right? Because the foothold is, forget it, God's not listening, forget it, it doesn't matter, forget it. I'll just, no. The more it hurts, the more confusing it is, the more earnest we pray. And that's what Jesus did. He prays. And, 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 he, and he prays, and it's so much stress, 
so much pain, so much anxiety, that the doctor in Luke gives us a physical description of his sweat. And what can happen when you're under the most intense anxiety is you, can, you're, you, you have capillaries that can burst. And little tiny bits of blood can mix with your sweat glands. And there's been demonstrated cases, very extreme cases of people. So you're literally sweating. It's sweat, but it's, it's tinged with blood. And so Jesus is, is in such uh, agony facing this struggle, facing this cup, that he's, that, he's, that he's just sweating this blood. And it's just crazy to think about, to, to know how emotional this scene is the struggle that's deep within his soul. Um, there's one person that I read, and it kind of s- really struck me pretty deep, and he said this. He said, for the Christian, the blood of Jesus' brow should be almost as precious as the blood of the cross. Because see, it's here that he really faces struggle. I know our movies like to depict the physical torture of the cross and what Jesus is going through. And it was horrible, absolutely. But I think the only place we see the real struggle is when the darkness descends and, he, and he's literally uh, drinking the wrath of God. He's literally having the punishment for our sins crush him, right? And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yes, we have that. But for the most part, once he's done with this prayer in the garden, Jesus is on a mission. And he goes, and he, and, he, and he willingly goes into the soldier's arms, and he willingly goes into Pilate's arms, and he willingly goes uh, to the Roman soldier's arms, and he willingly goes to the cross. And, but the struggle in the garden shows you how hard that was. The immense depth of that cup and what it was and what it meant, right? What, what he went that knew he, he, it wasn't like I don't I think this is going to be kind of bad but we'll see he knew he knew what this was he knew that that for the first time and and, and only time by the way for all of eternity he was going to be abandoned and crushed by his father imagine like he's so close to his father so close the closer you are to someone, and when you get ripped apart, how, how much more painful it is. And for Jesus, make no mistake, that's what this wrath is. We, um, we tend to think most about the physical suffering, and it was bad. But you ever notice, we have a history of martyrs that went to the stake, to boiling water, to like being burned alive, far calmer than Jesus in the garden. Do you think they were stronger than Jesus? see, it's not the physical torture that was so much for Jesus to fall to his knees. It's what would happen on that cross as he would become our sin and he would take on every drop of the wrath deserved for you and me. And he would be abandoned by God, the Father, for the first and only time in history. And so... Whatever sorrow or temptation or struggle you face now or around the corner, whenever you're facing a dark night, whenever you're facing a pain that seems incomprehensible, please, 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 please know that you have a Lord and Savior 
that's been there understands you, and he's in it with you. He is not on some distant cloud, sort of up there. He understands everything the human being faces and more. You have a a Lord and Savior that gets you, is with you, whether you're balled up on the bathroom floor, not knowing how to go on. He's with you. He's there. He gets you. Pray. Whether you're lying on your bed and you're just so alone and just so freaking out and so, like, understand, it's the enemy who says give up. It's the enemy who says go the other way. It's the enemy that says disobey God. His truth isn't enough. He's not enough. You have to realize you have a Lord and Savior that's been there, done that, and is with you in that moment, in that struggle. And so as he's praying, uh, first of all, I bring you back here to verse 43. As he's in agony and as he's praying, there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. Isn't that beautiful? That God and all of heaven looked upon this prayer and says, sends an angel to strengthen Jesus in his greatest need. I'll bet. I'll bet there's times in your life you didn't even know it, but there was an angel with you strengthening you. That's how much God loves you. But here's what that also tells us. As he's praying and he's saying, can can this cup be passed? The angel appears to strengthen him is God's answer, the Father's answer. No. 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 Because (laughs) Jamie can't drink this. Jamie can't redeem himself. Fill in your name. Jamie can't pay in full what you can do. Only you can do it. Only you. There's there's just no other way. So for us to save, it's the only way. There can be no other way. So the answer is no. And so Jesus hears that answer. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? How many of us sleep when we should be awake? But his grace is so good, he says to them again, the bookend, remember, rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. This doesn't waver. Footholds are coming, man. It's going to get far worse than you know. Pray. He doesn't give them a list of exercises to do or assignments. He just says, pray. Not religious sounding words just talk to your father help help me trust you help me obey you because the enemy will attack in that agonizing prayer of the garden we see Jesus struggle over the cup remember not just the nails and the crown of thorns and the flogging that was bad but it was it was that he on the cross is going to literally experience hell because hell is when you are completely cut off from the presence of God because he is holy and you have unpaid for sin and so he's paying for that he's experiencing the wrath right on the cross my god my god why have you forsaken That's what he's doing. And I know we live in a culture where we don't talk so much about that anymore. 
Why couldn't God just kind of skip over it, forget about it, if he loves us? Because God is holy and just and good and right, and sin will never, ever live in his presence. It just won't happen. You can like it or not like it. It's just the truth. It's just the truth. And so the question is, like, in Jesus' struggle, we see how terrible that wrath is. It is good and right, right? But, but it is so, like, like, I just plead with you. I just plead with you. Don't choose hell. Don't choose for you to pay. Just be like, I don't need God. I got it. I can be good enough. I can be religious enough. I can't, I'm just, you can't. Right, this idea, right, this, there's this idea that, that, that Jesus is just one path. You know what that would make Jesus? A fool. Because he literally asked, can there be another way? What was the answer? No. So if there was all these paths, be religious, read some books, do some charity, don't swear and go to rated R movies, whatever it is, whatever system you can come up with, whatever prayer system, whatever, if there could be another way, why would he face that? Why would he go to that? He wouldn't. Otherwise, he would have been a fool or silly. And Jesus is no fool. He just knew it's the only way. The way has been made for us. We don't have to drink from the cup of God's wrath. We can be saved in life for all of eternity because Jesus drank every drop. That's what the prayer of the garden reminds us of. That's why it was such a struggle for Jesus. Because there was no other way. And he is the only way. Have you put your faith in him? Have you trusted him? Because, you know, the agony of the garden gives us the picture of Jesus' struggle, but it also gives us a picture of Jesus' love. How could you ever, I'll bet, almost guaranteed, that there's at least one person in here right now that doubts God loves you. You're just doubting. Maybe you did something literally this morning. You're like, man, I really blew it. Lord, how could he love me for doing that? Or last night? Or 30 years ago? When you think about the garden, how, how can we ever doubt how much Jesus loves you? He loves you at a depth. It's not just a, a song we sing to our kids. It is a deep down depth. You will grow all of eternity. You will grow in an understanding of how much Jesus loves you. And he loves you so much. Like, like when he took that, you don't think he didn't know? You think he's just like, well, I thought I loved you, but now you've been looking at porn. Forget it. Oh, you cheated on your spouse. Forget it. Oh, you're a liar. Oh, you're lazy. Oh, you're whatever, right? Like, like that's the whole point of this. He knew all of that. And he said, I'll drink it. I'll take it. Does he want you to stay there? Of course not. He has a better plan for you out of his love and your love for him. But, but whatever has you doubting the Lord's love for you, that's honestly a slap in the face to the love that he has for you that is all generated from within him. Do you understand the depth of Jesus' love? There's no smooth-sounding illustrations. There's no, like, funny quotes I can give you. I just need you to deep down within your soul understand as you see him kneeling in the garden and you recognize, you just, man, how much does he love me that he would do that for me? How much does he love me that he would face that cross for me, that he would take that wrath for me because I never could? 
Jesus loves you today no more, no less than he loved you the day you were born, the day you were knitted in your mother's womb. And it will continue on and on and on. And so it should generate for us not only an adoration for Jesus, but a love for Jesus. And so the garden of Jesus' struggle and Jesus' love, let's not forget the bookends of Jesus' plea. It's extended to you and me. If you're a disciple of he said what? Twice, right? Pray. Pray. If anyone hears in the dark night of your soul, let him pray anyone here is feeling swallowed up in loneliness, let her pray. If anyone here is so sick of being sick, let him pray. If anyone here is, is, is just, just being raptured by anxiety, let him pray. If anyone here is so ashamed that she can barely stand it, let her pray. That's the solution is to pray, and the more it hurts and the more you don't understand, the more earnest Jesus says, pray. Why? Because the enemy's coming, and he's whispering, and he's shouting, God doesn't love you, he doesn't want you, there is no plan for you, none of it's true, go over there, go over there, no, 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 you pray. On your knees, standing up, laying down, whatever it takes, pray. And he will strengthen you. And he will sustain you. Father, I come before you. Just love you so much. Love you so much for who you are and what you've done. You've given us your own son. Jesus, I love you. It's deeply, deeply emotional to think of what you did for us. It's hard. But, Lord, you are not on that cross, and you are not on that garden anymore. You are a risen king. You are, in, you are enthroned in glory, and you are coming again. And so, therefore, though it is emotional, it is also so joyful to know you conquered death. You conquered sin. You conquered hell. I ask for you to save anyone here who's never put their faith in Jesus. Just invite you to trust in Jesus, not you anymore. Let him have it. Let him have all of it. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here who are or will be going through a really dark, painful time. I ask that you would destroy the enemy who tries to whisper in their ear. Help them to see and know your love, oh Jesus, at a greater level. Even though your love isn't greater, let them experience it at a greater level through your spirit. That they might stand up and be sustained by your strength and by your love. Send them an angel if that's what they need. That they might continue to obey, continue to have faith, continue to walk after you. And God, I pray that, that we we would remember, just simply remember to pray, to keep praying, and to keep praying, and to keep praying more earnestly every day of our life until you call us home or come again. Come, Lord Jesus, come. It's in your name we pray.
you want and, or, and can, why don't you stand with us and sing?